Hey, this is Paulie B. You're listening to Frequency.fm. Some people call me Paul Balash. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Frequency Podcast. And uh, Joe and I were just chatting before we hit record. And, of course, we always find ourselves amusing. But uh, <laughs> in reality, well, we are. we're, you know, just reviewing our week and, you know, things that have been going on in our life. And then we're like, well, we should probably record. So so here we are. And, and we're actually just uh, diving into some of the statistics for the last little while on our podcast. And it's actually interesting to see where people listen from. Um, I don't know if, if you saw any of the specifics, Joe, but uh, for some reason, San Francisco keeps popping up on our feed and I'm and you made a good point. It may not be a person. It may it may not be a person. And or it, I mean, considering that the downloads are in the thousands from that from San Francisco, I suspect a person is not such a fanatical listener that they continue to download. I'm just I don't want to take anything away from us because hanging out and listening to a couple of middle-aged guys talk about Christian, you know, culture. I mean, why why not go back to that well over and over again, right? <laughs> well, and isn't San Francisco where most of the major servers in the United States reside like Microsoft? I don't have any idea about that. I'd have to I'd have to look that up and I'm not going to. <laughs> I just <laughs> I don't know if that's a if one of our listeners would like to do a quick fact check for us. We'd be happy to share their name and give them a nice shout out for being a fact checker. Because in this age of fake news, it's nice to know that there's a place that you can go to feel confident that what you're hearing is in fact accurate. Like my hair is real. (laughs) I know some of you have wondered that couldn't possibly that lustrous gray uh, whatever. I can't go any further with that. <laughs> well, I have gray, but I'm hiding it in a hat. Yeah, I should be wearing a hat. Um, anyway, sorry, guys. Are you a hat guy? Like, do you, you wear hats normally or is that, you know, yeah. in your work? Well, listen, the, the hair on my head is thin enough that if the sun is shining at all, I got to have a hat. Otherwise, it burns. Ah. So, again, my hair is real. <laughs> and I'm a... And I am a hat guy, but not for vanity, but for the sake of, of you know, very practical purposes. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like um, getting skin cancer on top of my head, you know. I hear you. On that well, speak- pleasant note, yeah. Speaking of cancer, speaking, yeah. Speaking of useless information, <laughs> you know, as I, as I look through our history, you know, we're just, of course, you know, every year, you know, we start looking, you know, there's waypoints in, in, you know, our progress as a podcast and as friends and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, when you look back throughout the years, I'm happy to report that every year we've been consistently more listeners and more community. So I'm, I'm thankful for the growth of that. And thank you to our Patreon supporters. You've been awesome at helping us accomplish this. Goal. Thank you. And, uh, we have been from 2015, 16 through 17, and now going into 18, um, systematically higher listenership. Um, and it seems to be organic and not just based on when we actually launch an episode. So that's, that's a blessing. Um, yeah. The interesting thing to note for fans of Don Moen is he is the most popular for our Wise Words Wise Words 32 and our CMS Northwest interview you did with him um, just sort of chit-chatting and talking about the reality of things that have happened in his career. 
Um, yeah. They've been the most downloaded. And Don Moen is not what I would call like the most exuberant rock and roll artist of, you know, the <laughs> the 90s yeah. and the 2000s. Yet he's respected and liked still to this day. Yeah, just a passionate, compassionate individual. Um, and what was really interesting about that particular interview from my perspective, and I didn't intend to talk about this, was that um, one of my best friends who was really not at that point identifying himself as a Christian. He came with the CMS Northwest with me just to help out. I just needed an extra set of hands. And I just made Don Moan come sit with me. Mm-hmm. You know, he was walking by, I made him come sit down. And after that conversation, just the, the, the very transparent nature of, of what Don shared and um, his vulnerability and all, and his compassion for people across the world, you know, without, you know, um, Anyway, uh, my friend Dennis just kind of went, wow, I I wish that that was the conversation I heard from all Christians, Mm. you know, and so um, it really resonated with him. And um, I'm really grateful for Don for that because he's Dennis is now a Christian. He's going to church every Sunday. And um, and I know that was one part of the journey for him. So anyway, we'll have to share a link for that. Yeah, no, I think. I think that's great. In fact, having said that, wouldn't it be cool, sort of like a secret shopper, to ask our non-Christian friends to come, even even specifically to come to a Christian event and tell us how inviting it is and how things that we do oh, wrong yeah. or things that we do right, and look at it from a from the perspective of somebody who's not in a Christian realm. That would be yeah. an interesting concept. I never really thought that it'd be nice to like specifically say, Hey, you don't go to church. We're doing a church activity. Can you tell us what, you know, do we do this? Well, you know, is this inviting? Does this make sense? Is this like internal language versus external language? Um, I know there's guys out there that do secret shopping just for in, but they're Christians going to evaluate, but how interesting it would be for someone with no church context to walk in the door. So yeah, that's well, that's cool. That's actually how we came up with the name of our church is that we specifically sought out um, unchurched people and non-Christians to say, hey, what do you think of this name? And we were blown away by names that we thought would really resonate where people went, no, I find that really offensive. Or mm. what, what are you trying to say about me yeah. with this name? Or, OK, if that's your name, then you better follow through with that. Right. You know that there's. um uh, a, a skepticism that's not unearned. Yeah. Um, you know, that uh, I think, I think you have a great point there. And actually, I think that's really an interesting thing to bring up considering the nature of your conversation with our guest today is um, along those lines in terms of um, how we as, um, you know, Chris, uh, as the, the, the church engage on the world stage. Yeah. Um, and how we're perceived and, um, and, uh, and our need to love on people. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe you could tell us who the guest is and we could zip over to that. Yeah. Well, and just before, before we get to that, um, sort of in that vein, you know, we, we did a, a music review. We do music reviews from time to time. And yeah. sometimes we have to, you know, sort of say your baby's ugly um, or, you know, artists that have been around forever. Um, specifically the one we were talking before we recorded that uh, million lights um, song that Michael W. Smith came out with. We're not going to go into detail, tell about it you can listen to the episode music review and we just felt it it missed the mark uh, just too ambiguous yeah. too fluffy it wasn't 
overtly Christian in any way. Not that that's wrong, but it just, you know, for what he's portraying, you know, to be in a worship artist, it just didn't match. Um, we weren't mean about it, but um, yeah, are we? It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't pointing to the gospel no. in any way. No, and that's. I think that's where, to me, that ultimately, if if you're not somehow pointing to the gospel. I'm not sure what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, and I think it even got exasperated when I watched the music video. And I mean, they—they, they, it's beautiful. It's done in space. Um, okay, million lights. Okay, that makes sense. There's stars everywhere. But that's really all I yeah. sang about was if I was a non-believer, again, that I would have no clue what he's talking about. You might as well have just been doing a review for the Passengers movie with Chris Pratt, um, which is basically just, you know, people stuck in space. Uh, it had no relevance for Christianity other than the fact that God would be creator. But I was, yeah, yeah. you know, I could get that out of it. But anyways, I just thought we needed more from Michael W. Smith after, you know, 20 plus years of of being in the ministry realm. Um, yeah. But saying that, as we go into this episode, I was very blessed and thankful to be able to talk with Sheldon McLeod, who I've met personally um, because of, we're an education facility where I work uh, at our church and our school. He represents a major institution, uh, Cranley University, which is in um, the East Coast. And uh, But really, he, he was talking to us as a representative of the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada, uh, which at this present time is a very helpful voice in uh, in our governmental policy um, communications realm, because there's a lot of things happening in Canada that are a struggle for us. Um, the yeah. church is under attack. And honestly, I mean, he had some good wisdom. You know, there there's definitely uh, a need for it in some cases where the church has been asleep for far too long. And we just haven't had a public voice. And I think it's time we did. And EFC has been really good for that. They're a good support for churches. And um, as as you'll hear, uh, he has a lot of good things to say about that. And there's some funny things that we talk about and, and some of the questions I asked near the end. So uh, without getting too much into it, why don't we dive right into the interview that I did with Sheldon McLeod. Hey everyone, it's Dan Thompson from the Frequency Podcast, and I am joined by Sheldon McLeod from, you're in uh, New Brunswick, Canada, correct? I am, beautiful New Brunswick. Yeah, now Sheldon and I met uh, not too long ago because uh, you do tours and you, you uh, go to different schools uh, representing uh, where you work, um, but before we dive into that, why don't you just tell us a bit of your bio and who you are and family life, etc.? Well, I, uh, I guess my family, I have three amazing kids. Uh, I'd like to say that uh, they're younger, but they're getting older every year. And apparently that means that I am too, <laughs> uh, but they're great and appreciate them a whole lot. Uh, my background is pastoral ministry. So I've been in ministry for 20 years, uh, church ministries for, for about eight of those, and then moved into kind of Christian higher education through college and Christian university ministry. Uh, also do consulting when in, in higher ed, faith-based higher ed. Uh, but also work with um, kind of a newer piece for me is working with the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada as their Atlantic Canadian ambassador. And so those things have all really dovetailed really well and provide a, a busy but kind of a rich and enjoyable day-to-day uh, -day for me. For sure. Wow. 
I think that's a rather large portfolio, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Some days, but it's enjoyable, so it's okay. Yeah. Well, let's start right off because you were, you said a former uh, vocational pastor because you didn't necessarily end badly. You sort of transitioned out, it seems. Um, You know, what was the transition like going from being a vocational pastor to being more in a business-like role, but still faith-based? How did Mm. that work? It was a really unique transition. I mean, it was really positive. I had an amazing church, great senior pastor. It was it was a really great experience. As a matter of fact, that's still my home church. I still fellowship there when I'm I'm home on weekends, and and that's where I go. So that relationship has been really positive and and lifelong, hmm. uh, or at least so far. And uh, the transition was really positive. I mean, our, our Christian university is not too far geographically from where I pastored. Yeah. And for me, I, I kind of had this call to ministry ever since I was pretty young, um, but yet really felt a strong compulsion towards education and didn't really know how to marry those two. Right. Uh, you know, I went through theological college and it was great. And then so I thought, OK, well, maybe I'll end up there someday teaching and so on. And then this kind of opportunity came with this faith based university and it kind of clicked for me. And so the transition was a really positive one because I wasn't, I didn't feel at that time I was leaving ministry. I was just doing a different type of ministry. Mm-hmm. And in my role now, right now, I oversee student success and transformation. And so working with our uh, athletic programs, our student success, our chapel, our community practicum service learning components, a lot of what I'm doing is in a lot of ways pre-pastoral. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's been this wonderful, yeah, it's been this kind of wonderful journey that's, that's been not maybe how I would have anticipated it, right. um, but that's how kind of life is, but it's, it's been this great journey where God has been kind of leading and the transition, um, has been a really positive one. Uh, now you said it's Crandall university. Um, so is that, is it a, it's just a Bible college or is it a expanded, um, ministry slash, uh, you could do other things there just for people who don't know sure. about Crandall. If you just want to explain the school, there's a lot of us and international listeners. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're on the East coast of Canada and so we're one of the few Christian universities. So we're not a Bible college per se, in the sense that our total mandate is to produce vocational pastors. We have great partnerships with other institutions that do that really well. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're a liberal arts university for those who want a perspective that is biblically based. And so uh, in our arts, business, science, our education, our graduate programs, a large majority would be Christians who are there. Uh, Kind of all of our faculty and staff are confessionally uh, Christian. And and we, we see education as a way to impact the world for for Christ and for good. And while we welcome those students from any background or no faith background at all, uh, you know, we do that pretty unapologetically from a Christian perspective. And so so we do have that ministry and mission and uh, we're just producing, I mean, amazing students who are just going out into the marketplace to to change the world for Christ and to change the world for good. And so that's kind of who we are as an institution. OK, yeah. And of course, a lot of people who listen to this regularly know that I, I my office is in a school. Yeah. It's Christian based. And um, so we look and, and we we strive to find partnerships with higher education and link it early. So when kids get into to early high school and prepped into grade eight, nine, 10, and then eventually 11, where they're sort of honing in on what direction they want to go, mm-hmm. um, there isn't a whole lot to send them to here. 
um, it's actually quite fascinating. I mean, I come from Ontario. You know, there's lots of choices for schools in Ontario. Um, not always easy and not cheap, but um, to find something in the east coast of Canada with caliber that will propel you forward um, and still be faith-based is the amazing thing. To be able to link, you know, higher education and and sort of a holistic learning. Um, again, I'm not an educator in the sense of what what Crandall would do, uh, and I'm not a technically a teacher in our school. I, I would be a pastor here, um, but uh, to be able to link the faith based component to everyday learning, um, you know, the mathematics and sciences and all that kind of stuff, I think is unique and important. Um, so it's good that you're there. <laughs> oh, it's enjoyable. And I mean, if you, if you follow the stats at all, I mean, we both work with next generations people. Yeah. And one of the big drop off points for them is when they move kind of from the safety and comfort of home and their home church into higher education. There's this huge drop off about 50 percent mm -hmm. uh, where students kind of go away. And it's not because what they believe is is not valid. It's because they've maybe never been challenged or they're in an environment that's pretty hostile towards it. So having those places, those faith-based places where people can explore that in a safe way, uh, but, but in a thoughtful way, in a challenging way is, is really important for young people. And so that the beauty of that is, is really important as people who, you know, want to see Christ honored and, and their families invested in. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's sort of transition into your role with EFC then Evangelical Fellowship of Canada, uh, because part of that ministry, which I'm sure you'll expand on is, is, to deal with the issues of today in relation to church life and really an education um, and Absolutely. legislation and government. Um, but first, before we talk about what the, what they do sort of, how was, how was your transition into it? How did that even happen? Uh, is this a new thing? Did you want to expand on that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so EFC is this really robust organization that seeks to kind of unite evangelical Christians in Canada. And they work with all sorts of partners right across the country, denominationals, uh, leadership and, and organizations. And uh, my appreciation for them came through just watching what they were putting out. So looking at the way they lobbied government nationally, that the way that they represented Christians in this really thoughtful, measured um, non-crazy, if I can put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to quote that on the leader for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Non-crazy. Uh, they, they just, they approach the issues of society from this really thoroughly biblical perspective, but they do it in such a, an honest and authentic way uh, that they really are non-offensive, but yet are being really clear and really honest to the gospel. And, and I just so appreciate the way they do that. Mm -hmm. And it's a really hard balance. You know, and, and we've seen that kind of internationally when it goes wrong. It, yes, it can go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've always appreciated what they were doing as I saw it kind of on the local church's behalf. I mean, they they're addressing issues at a national level that that we can invest in as a local congregation organization that benefits us all. Mm -hmm. And so they have this really robust kind of structure, but again, it's, it's not uh, human resource wise. It's not really large, mm -hmm. the resources as well. And so uh, they had a really prolific speaking president and the new president came in and he is just phenomenal. He is uh, a real leader in all sorts of different ways, but, but that travel component, they, they wanted to make sure that 
that the president and the leadership was really kind of making sure they were focusing on those issues. And a lot of them are in Ottawa, of course. Yes. So what they did was they wanted to expand their network so that they could serve the regions. And so they come up with this kind of ambassador program. Hmm. So there's a few of us across the country uh, who represent EFC and its various constituencies. And so I uh, do Atlantic Canada, which is a pretty large geographic catchment. Of oh, course. yes, yes. Um, as you know, but but at the same time is filled with absolutely tremendous people, tremendous leaders who are doing a lot of great things and being able to connect those resources and, and kind of unite some of those people mm-hmm. uh, been a real a real blessing. And so I kind of just fell into it just through my continued ministry, through uh, speaking and working with nonprofits and so on. Uh, it just kind of seemed like a natural dovetail from pastoral ministry and working with with leadership and next generation. And so just kind of came along and and we decided to walk down that road together. And so we've been doing that now for just over a year. And uh, oh. I so appreciate them. That's great. Did you was was there any training required for you to dive into that role or was it based on what you already had training in? It was just, um, you know, a like mindedness. Yeah, it's a good way to describe it. I think the like-mindedness, I mean, they're pretty thorough in, in who they have represent them. I mean, they're looking for people with uh, varied backgrounds, but backgrounds that honor Christ and and kind of have a proven track record. Mm-hmm. So some of that, uh, but they also have been a great place to to teach. I mean, they, you know, they, they really represent the gospel well. They do that in, in a way that really speaks to politicians and courts and so they're pretty big on providing us with some training. You know, here's here's who we are. Here's the things we stand for. Here are the, you know, the basic values and beliefs. And so we can walk together on that. But here's also some training. And so they've been great to uh, to be a ministry partner. with. Yeah, that's great. Um, so give us an example of, of maybe an issue or, or something that'd be going on, um, whether it's locally or nationally, that um, you'd have to have a role in. Um, you know, I know, I know there's lots of legislation that's coming down. Uh, what's an example of something that the EFC would be involved in right now? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a great question. There's all sorts of things. I mean, the two that come to mind uh, probably are close to my heart. So maybe I'll speak to those. Sure. Um, they do all sorts of work, really excellent work with with First Nations and, and reconciliation. They do religious freedom in Canada. They're, they're looking at issues of pornography and end of life. And, and how do you do that really thoughtfully and well? Um, two big issues that are close to my heart. One would be higher education. Mm-hmm. And so they've been really coming alongside one of our Christian universities in Canada, uh, Trinity Western University. Mm, yes. And, and that institution has a new law school and a lot of law societies at the provincial level have either embraced it and said that's excellent because they're recognizing the academics. Mm -hmm. Some will recognize the academics at a provincial level, but they feel that Christians trained in a Christian environment, or at least people trained in a Christian environment, could not objectively represent clients. And so some of those provincial law societies have said, you know, we are not going to accredit um, Trinity Western graduates. Hmm. Which is which is interesting because you would think, you know, even go back 20, 30 years ago, it would almost be a standard that we would be based. You know, if you go to parliament buildings, there's scripture on the wall and in the stone. So this is a countercultural kind of a situation now where everything's being turned on its head. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So EFC (laughs) basically has a voice in that to try to come alongside Trinity Western 
Um, yeah, because I think Ontario is at the uh, Law Society of Upper Canada that um, there's there's a an attestation that has to be signed by lawyers now, basically saying you know that um, they'll agree to all the things they probably shouldn't agree with, or mm-hmm. basically signing their life away from their own faith in order to be a lawyer. I don't know a lot of the background of it, but um, I think there's issues in Ontario, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about that specific one, but but certainly there is jurisdiction by jurisdiction. Uh, it can be pretty challenging and pretty different. Yeah, and it is. I mean, I think you nailed it right on the head. I mean, it's it's a really countercultural thing. I mean, at one time, being a person of faith in the public arena would have been a positive yes. and wouldn't have been seen as discriminatory, and and hopefully wasn't. Um, whereas now it's it's very much the opposite. But yeah. but. We wouldn't want to apply that logic to other faith groups. I mean, I would never want to say to a Jewish colleague, for instance, that, you know, well, you can't be a lawyer because of your faith background. Right. Yeah. Or, 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 or Hindu, or, for that matter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. can you imagine? I mean, wouldn't that wouldn't that be awful if hmm. we did that in Canada? And and that's what that's what EFC uh, seeks to do, seeks to to talk about. And, and they are seen as a friend of the court. They they go on behalf of, of the court and speak to those issues. And uh, they've been received really well. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, that's one that's close to my heart as, as a person in Christian higher education. Now in the States, Christian higher education is seen pretty differently than it is in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that Canadian context, it is this very much a, uh, a separate and sometimes unequal uh, system. And yeah. It's, it's really challenging. Now, as, as somebody from the outside, like myself, looking at it, when I read Facebook posts or what the Gospel Coalition has been talking about in Canada, um, it almost seems like the only target of negativity is Christianity, um, which is kind of ironic that um, that what was once now a foundation is like the foundations being removed and everything else is OK, but there's no foundation for it. So it, um, Judeo-Christian values, for lack of a better term, is actually the only target of um what's wrong almost like where it's a bigoted approach because it's it's from scripture um and then it's and again scripture's in in our parliament and it's it's all around us but no one wants to look at it because no one wants to recognize that we're accountable to something um and that that's what i see when i you know see all the news articles and the things that happen of course i mean there's lots of weirdness coming from the u.s and you know, the latest news with Donald Trump, this, that, and the other thing. Um, but um, it's an interesting sort of uh, culture that we're in in Canada because everyone's apologetic. Everyone's, we're so nice, nice, nice. But a lot of weird things are happening in Canada. And it's relatively unseen right now, but it's starting to come to the surface. Um, I hate to use the term liberal, but I mean that in the sense of not in politics, but in just general acceptance of everything except um, traditional Christian values, it seems. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's that's entirely accurate. And I think a lot of that, and, and you alluded to it, I think a lot of that is coming from, from the states. I think that a lot of that is seen as, you know, we're going to be fanatical or we're going to be extreme when really we're trying to be conservative and small C, so not in a political sense again, but, yes. but in, you know, a, a traditional kind of a sense. Um but yet in a way that still speaks to the culture. Um, but yet we're not always permitted to do that or given a credible voice to do that. And, 
And you can see that. I mean, the other the other major issue that I think is facing us, and EFC has been really engaged with it, but so have many others, um, Canadian Council of Christian Charities, all sorts of other organizations, is the issue now with the um, the Canada student grants. Yes, yeah. So the challenge there, of course, being that, you know, a, a church or a Christian not-for-profit or, or indeed many not-for-profits that have any kind of a uh, religious background, not even necessarily Christian, uh, really going to find it challenging to be able to sign off on the grant proposals and receive student grants. And many of those organizations, thousands of churches and not-for-profit organizations rely on those student grants to to really move the cause forward and in really reputable uh, social agencies. And and now with, with some of the wording of that, it's going to be pretty challenging to do that. Yeah, because I try to keep up on the news um, across Canada. And I think some of the articles that have come out have basically said that there are, are well-meaning not non-Christian organizations that are just trying to serve people and they're forced now to bring an issue to the surface. There really isn't an issue to, to solve. It's not their problem. Like talking about um, sanctity of life or abortion, when you're a ministry that reaches street people, it's a non-issue. And now they feel forced to have to speak to something that has is no relevance. And I think that's the biggest issue is it's so broad based that um, it's not a Christian focused thing because every, every single uh, charity that is looking for this, that, um, they're affected by this now. And, Absolutely. And I think that's, that's becoming a louder voice, um, which I, I never really anticipated, but I never thought about the fact I always look at it from my lens. I'm a Christian organization, um, but not all are, and they have the same problem. So it, it is quite broad based. And I think that's just indicative of, of what's sort of happening culturally. But do you feel that um, maybe this is a sideline question, but do you feel that social media has fed this um, glorification of the issue? You know, because social media is so instant that it raises um, the the level of all of these things to, you know, max volume so quickly that sometimes we lose clarity in it. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, our culture is largely driven by social media. I mean, that that is the reality. Social media, in some ways, is our media. Yeah. Because it is. It's accessible. Everyone has equal voice, and that really speaks into the culture of today. Mm -hmm. But, of course, uh, equality of voice is important, but credibility of voice, you know, a, a, a person who is knowledgeable about a certain area has the same voice as a person who has no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> yes. And as a person who often has no idea what I'm talking about, I try to stay out of some of those <laughs> yes. Yeah, but but it is challenging, and 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 you're right; it it does kind of escalate everything, and so every issue is pushed to the forefront, and and that can be challenging because when every issue is pushed to the forefront, then it's really hard to decide what what the really important issues are. Yeah. Uh, and what the important voices are in in those issues. You know, who who do you listen to? Who has credibility? And and what does that mean for you, other than kind of getting the snippets of, of what, you know, what used to be kind of the Facebook dialogue back and forth is now across all social media platforms and yeah. and, and escalated exponentially. And it's it's really challenging for people to stay informed, whether they're Christian people or, or, or just, you know, really good citizens who are interested, um, kind of sorting out good comments and thoughtful, knowledgeable ones from 
noise is is pretty challenging and it gets harder and that's hard for people of almost any generation particularly younger yeah. people who grow up in that and for them it's a completely natural thing um, you know yep yeah challenging and i don't think the the response to information has ever been changed or or been different because you could go right back to you know, the story of Anna Green Gables, you know, and the neighbor next door who gossips about everything and all the news is wrong anyways. So you can go back to the 1800s, early 1900s. It was the same problem. It's called sin. That's and it, right. And it's humanity and it's how we're driven. Um, it's just the medium that, you know, and it, and it happens quicker. Um, I'm sure it's yeah. amplified more, but the intent is the same, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the challenge now is, you know, the gossipy neighbor used to just gossip to the neighbors, but now they can gossip to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like a carrier pigeon goes in every direction. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and I think the funny thing is we almost rely on satire to get us through it now because the only voice that I appreciate at the end of a long day is the Babylon Bee or, you know, the manatee or one of those things, you know, because at the end of the day, we need to laugh at it almost, but there's no other way of doing it in an acceptable manner, except in sarcasm, you know, or in an off the cuff you know, backhanded remark. Um, And I appreciate the Babylon Bee, for example, for doing that, um, because we we mock ourselves. Yes. And, absolutely. you know, and and I think, you know, this hour is 22 minutes and Rick Mercer, like there's a lot of good content out there that basically just sort of turns the knife and, and pokes, which is another example of our culture, which we do laugh at our, ourselves a lot. Um, most of the great comedians, even in the U.S., they came from Canada. <laughs> oh, of course. Yes, yes. You know, and, uh, and I grew up with, thankfully, I grew up watching some of the best. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think satire and, and in the end of the day, laughing at a lot of this stuff, um, you know, tongue in cheek. Um, we have some serious issues going on in Canada, but at the end of the day, um, we need to take a step back. And uh, so I appreciate the EFC and, you know, our own national fellowship is trying to link arms with the EFC and show support for Trinity Western and for a number of the other issues that are going to come to the surface. Um, but we definitely need to pray, um, cause we are not a praying people. A lot of the time, um, we essentially rest in our cells and, um, then we expect the government to sort of step up. And then when they don't, we go, what in the world, you know, um, do we really trust God? I guess is, at the end of the day, who's who's sovereign overall? As you move forward in the EFC, uh, what would be an example of what your role would uh, take on uh, in the region? Like, what would be some things that you'd be tackling in Atlantic Canada specifically? Well, I mean, it's it's interesting. I think I think one of the things I've really valued about EFC also kind of points to one of the greatest needs. Um, as I've been trying to get this new position kind of going, I've been traveling around. Uh, particularly New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, um, PEI a little bit, and haven't gotten over to Newfoundland yet. But what's fascinating is talking with dozens of pastors and ministry leaders is our needs are all kind of the same. Mm-hmm. We're, we're all nose down, nose to the grindstone, serving that local church or that local organization, whatever it is, and doing that really dutifully and faithfully to God. Um but one of the needs that seems to be emerging is how do those leaders refuel themselves? How do they connect with others themselves? How do they, as a as a shepherd, um, 
how do they have someone pray for them in a thoughtful way who knows what they're going through? Mm-hmm. And and I would say one of the great things that I've so appreciated EFC in this is as I have kind of said, okay, here's our Atlantic Canadian context, which can be different than lots of others, but I think that's a pretty standard one, is how do we go out um, offering to serve these folks as opposed to, to, to saying, you know, okay, how can you partner with us and, and do something over here nationally, which is really valuable, but how can we bring that back to the local congregation? How can we invest back into the pastor? How can we equip you to do more of what you do so that we can all do what we need to do kind of nationally. Right. And, and that's kind of been the approach we've been taking, at least in Atlantic Canada, and I can't speak to the rest of the country, but but that's been wonderful. I mean, pastors have been really gracious and, and really honest and candid, and some of, uh, probably some of the best pastoral conversations I've had, and I've been in ministry for over 20 years, but some of the best pastoral conversations I've had have been with other pastors, probably in this last year and a half or so. Yeah. yeah. Um, as they're just kind of pouring out their heart. I mean, it's, Ministry is a challenging world. It's a challenging world to live in. And as you know, I mean, you know, we, we all kind of put on uh, not not an insincere front. I mean, we are, you know, we are solid in God. We are, we, we, we do know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We are called to lead. But at the same time, we we're humans. We have our failings. We have our challenges. Uh, we have things that go wrong in our lives, like every other person in our, mm-hmm. in our yeah. church organization. And um, yet somehow we have to kind of pull all of these things together in a godly way and lead others. Mm-hmm. And so our approach at EFC has been, you know, how can we how can we help those people do that uh, and do that authentically um, without being intrusive into what they're doing, without trying to, you know, reallocate resources from what they're doing, yeah. but just be a presence in their lives and say, OK, here here's what's going on nationally. Here's how this is going to impact your local church or organization or school or whatever it's going to be. Um, how can we help you speak to that? Here are some of the resources we have, but also what can we resource you with, you know, yeah. and, and how can we help you, whether it's, you know, get together um, or, or provide national resources. I mean, fascinating for me, I see, you know, great national resources online. And, and so we're doing a pod, a web, a webinar actually on what the impact of this Canada student loan grant is, for instance, mm. or a summer student grant. Yep. Uh, and that's great. And so that's one of the resources we can put into the hands of a local church as they're really wondering, how do I make this work this summer? And yeah. So and that's, that's a great. very practical item because everyone's now forced to think about it. You know, you may yeah. not have thought about so, it until you needed to. And now absolutely. it's like, are we even going to go that direction? Because there's fear involved in what you don't know. Um, yes. You know, so everyone um, who who doesn't pay close enough attention might just abstain. Might just yes. say, well, I guess it's not in the cards this year. Um, but that's not necessarily an appropriate response. Well, and that's it. And, and I think any information that we can give from a thoughtful, measured way is really helpful to that local church because... Yeah. Most churches don't have all sorts of staff sitting around thinking, gee, what am I going to do today? Yeah. I guess I'll go look up the legal implications of X, Y, and Z. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. <laughs> so if we can kind of step into that breach, I think that's been one of the things the fellowship has been really good at. Yeah. Um, but I also appreciate AFC because in Atlantic Canada, at least, I mean, they've been so gracious saying, you know, let's just get some pastors together. So we've just, you know, we're, we're just hosting two or three or four pastors um, buying breakfast and saying, how can we serve you? What what can we do? How can we pray for you? Mm -hmm. Um, how can we help connect you with the pastor down the street? Because 
that was one of the greatest pieces of feedback is we're all busy. We'd love to connect. We don't have the time, but if somebody organized it, yes. we'd be there. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that we've tried to been do partnering with local ministerials or partnering with local groups of, you know, that's denominations or just groups of pastors geographically. Yeah. And that's actually had some really nice success. Yeah. And, and I know we've talked privately and I've shared, you know, some of the events that we're attending and, and there's, there's two ways that we're doing that as, as fellowship Baptist pastors. Uh, it's not a fellowship Baptist thing necessarily that we always do. Um, but we do have a theology forum where we gather guys from all over the, um, Atlantic Canada, but we just take turns in locations. Some aren't going to drive five hours to get there. So they wait till the next one. And then there's the other one, which is our, what called a pastor's cluster. Um, it's hosted by the fellowship, but we have guys from the AGC and we have guys from Pentecostal church and independent fundamentals. Like they're all over the, the map, um, with the same like-minded approach of if you, if you build it, they will come. If you add food, they'll definitely come. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah. yeah. So that's a huge encouragement to me to see uh, other like-minded people and organizations that are trying to take the same approach. Because, you know, it's it's not a new concept to gather and eat food and, and pray together and talk together. But sometimes we we over busy ourselves to the point where we think almost we're we're too busy than somebody else to gather or to pray. So we almost make an idol of our work. I know my wife reminds me of that at the end of the day <laughs> or at the end of the week. Like, did you take a day off? You know, and, um, and the day off doesn't mean, you know, sit up and watch a, an NFL football game. It means like time with family or, you know, um, some downtime or to read a book. You know, there's so many amazing resources out there for pastors. But how many are able to actually read a book when they want to? Mm. Um, you know, there's lots of things that we need to to do better at as pastors in Atlantic Canada. Um, one of them is, is be accountable to each other. So I think that's, that's awesome. Um, so you personally, you're, you're in Cranley university right now and, um, you're, you're dealing with the, the issues of the culture of the day and you've got these students. How does that, sorry, I'm sort of going back a bit, but how does that get addressed sort of in an educational environment when the news of the day comes and people are reading headlines and there's the buzz and, how does Crandall University as a student body uh, get to learn or respond to these things? Because you said it's more like a liberal arts university, but mm -hmm. faith based. Um, is there an outlet for that? Would it be like chapels or would it be in certain classes? You want to just sort of flesh that out for me a bit. I think that's a great question. I mean, as Christians, we are called to engage the culture. You know, I think sometimes we forget that we're, we're not called only to criticize. And I think that's sometimes what we're seeing, you know, for whether appropriately or inappropriately, hmm. um, but engaging that culture in a thoughtful way is is what Christ did, and and as pastors we try to do, and and as higher educators we try to do the same. Uh, so on our campus we would do that in in many ways. One is in the classroom. I mean our faculty are really excellent experts in whatever field it is. So if it's sociology or psychology or or business, I mean those things encompass a lot of what's going on in society around us. So in those settings, they would be pretty up on contemporary culture and they would be able to talk to those in ways that are really informed. So what, what does it look like to have a social, social agency that now has to deal with this summer grant challenge? You know, for instance, um, what do you need to do that? What are the legal implications? What are the business considerations? What are the sociological, um, you know, geographical considerations? So they would do that in the classroom. 
um, on our campus, we would also do that through our chapels. And, and not in the sense that you always want to be speaking topically about what's going on around you, because you do want to point people to kind of the eternal truth. And that's, yeah. that's definitely what we do and, and what we need to do. Um, but you can do that in a way, much as Christ did, that really speaks to the times around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, because you are living in the world, not of it, but in it. And, and we would definitely seek to do that in, in a thoughtful way. So one of the, the, the things we've been doing this year, and it's actually been uh, from my office, is doing a, a new spiritual formation project on campus. So how do we prepare students, see them transformed, which is our mission statement, um, and ready to go into culture either as really excellent human beings uh, first and foremost, or uh, as really excellent Christians, you know, if, if, if they're a Christian, how do we, how do we have them engage culture in a way that is really thoughtful and from a worldview and a perspective that is godly and Christian? And that's been a fascinating project to work on. Mm-hmm. I've just talked with, I think at this point, almost 300 students and, and 30 faculty and staff and, and experts from around North America. Um, about how do you how do you shape your student body intentionally? Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who are Christians, how do you give them those experiences to grow? For those who aren't Christians, how do you give them that experience to 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 experience Christ? Um, and then how do you help them look at the world differently? And and for us, that's been a real focus. I mean, that's our focus for our mission statement. That's what our faculty and staff sign on for. That's what our students. One of the things they celebrate is this difference. Yeah. And so I think that's actually been able to, uh, to to let us speak into their lives as they're preparing to go out and speak into the culture around them. Mm-hmm. So they can they can see things thoughtfully and intelligently uh, and from a Christian worldview that, that dovetails with that. Yeah, oh, that's great. Um, now, I'm I'm going to lighten the tone a bit as we close. Okay. Uh, I always, I always a great conversation. I appreciate it. I could keep going and keep going. Um, but I know you got a job to do, um, <laughs> you, too. you know, let, let's close it. Cause a lot, this podcast is everything on the dial. That's why we're called frequency. Um, but there is a, there's a huge arts component to it. And a lot of our listeners are, are very arts focused. And the one question we always ask is, okay, well that guy's smart and, and he's cool and all, but what music does he listen to? You know, like what, what, what gets you up in the morning? What do you put in your car? Because sometimes when we answer those questions, it actually reveals a lot about our character. <laughs> I don't know if you want to know what music I listen to. <laughs> like I'm a big believer in the arts. I actually think the arts in general reflect culture back to us. And you mentioned the Babylon, you know, the Babylon. Yeah, I, I think, I think that's true. Yep. Um, and I think that the reason arts and some of those satirical things are so important is because they do reflect culture probably pretty accurately. Yeah. Uh, music is also one of those things. And I love good music. Um, my son plays fiddle and, and piano and I play the radio poorly. <laughs> um, but my music, boy, if you, <laughs> well, I have a CD in my car, which tells you how old my car is for one. But um, right now I think I have, um, I think there's a worship CD that's kind of a mix of new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to confess, I also have ABBA. 
<laughs> and ABBA might be my go-to. <laughs> Man, I love asking that question. <laughs> so I don't know if that says what my spiritual state or, or, or my age or what. I don't know. I don't know, man. When we share this in social media, <laughs> you might get mocked mercilessly. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I will. But you know, that's that's what makes it fun. Because again, I love talking to people because um, you always learn something new about people. One more question is um, Marvel or DC? Ooh, ooh, I have to be careful of that because my my youngest is a big superhero fan. Uh, we watch The Flash regularly, so I'm going to say DC. DC, yeah. But at the same time, Marvel makes some awful good movies. So. <laughs> yeah. So are you talking production value or storyline? <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. Uh, you know uh, I'm going to go DC. I'll, I'll stick DC. I was a DC kid on comic books growing up. All right. So I'll, I'll stick DC. They've got Superman. Well, I, I appreciate uh, you sharing with us so much. Um, I always love ending with laughter because usually these questions <laughs> drive us to laughter. And um, I have a lot of ammunition for the future. So, <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if we should ever speak again. You got Abba and Aquaman out of me. I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> I do appreciate you sharing. I'm sure we'll have you on the podcast. You know, as as things progress and the EFC is involved in different things, um, you know, we we may want to either have you here locally or we'll we'll record another podcast. But thanks again for sharing. Well, listen, love what you're doing. I appreciate your ministry so much, and thanks for having me on. Dan, thanks for your insightful, in-depth interview with Sheldon McLeod. <laughs> he, How's he, that? He really classed up the interview. He, <laughs> here's me <laughs> talking to a guy who represents a, a major educational facility and uh, honestly was very gracious with me. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, with my history of schooling, don't necessarily represent academia, <laughs> Although I am schooled in different areas, it's it, it was neat to be able to talk to somebody with wisdom and understanding, and and really has his his uh, finger on the pulse of the nation, as it were, for a number of reasons. And a very a very gracious guest in in so many ways, and um, really appreciated that about him. Yeah, and very accommodating. I know we had some technical problems with Skype because they use Skype for business. So he had to sort of, you know, break the rules of, of their corporation or to allow him to use the quote unquote regular Skype. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I never really thought there'd be a difference, but apparently there is, I guess, a platform difference. But uh, yeah. Um, and uh, and again, as we were talking before, there's it's interesting to look back at what we've done, because when you move forward in anything, you want it to be interesting and, and you know, conversations that people find interesting. So when we look back at the most listened episodes, for example, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, we talked about Don Moen, um, the Hillsong reviews and million lights review get a lot of uh, listens, um, probably because of MP3 grabber somewhere in cyberspace, but you know, it's still being grabbed and listened to, um, the conversation you did with, with, um, Petron Whiteheart hands down is still the most hilarious, you know, conversation. <laughs> I've shared it with so many people where, you know, I'd literally point to the spot where they're talking about the newsboys and they're all friends. So they, we can get away with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, it, 
a lot of things have happened in the past in their lives. And, and just the fact that they were so open about it was hilarious. Um, I also wanted to do a shout out to some of our listeners on SoundCloud, which is our main platform. Um, one yeah. is Gabriela Fernando, um, who is listening out there. We appreciate you. And um, we have actually a sort of a silent partnership with some of the radio stations, um, you know, where we have a friendship with different radio announcers and DJs. One is Joy Radio in Toronto, who I had the chance to uh, sit in an actual session and um, we'll be releasing that soon, um, which will actually be in Toronto Radio. At the same time, we'll launch it here. A really neat conversation with an artist and a radio uh, personality. And there's others. I mean, Joe and I are on SoundCloud. We're on social media. We're here all the time to answer questions and uh, to talk to you. And we appreciate those that are supporting on Patreon. And um, what's coming up, Joe? Who who do we have to talk to next? I know you did an interview not too long ago. Um, oh, I don't know. It's it's getting to the point where it was long ago. It's uh, yeah. JJ Heller. JJ Heller and her husband Dave. JJ and Dave and. Um, this is a great conversation, and uh, I, I should just publicly apologize to them because we had a great conversation. My mom is featured in that interview because my previous employer, that would be another reason why it's taken a while, um, had decided I could no longer do anything related to the podcast on public premises. So I'll shout out to y'all. <laughs> so my mom, who was about a, a quarter of a mile away, said, why don't you come over and record here? And I, and she made me a sandwich and I sat there and uh, recorded. And my, my mom's like interjects in the background occasionally. And that's funny. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So I need to get that edited and get that out. It was a good conversation with them and they're, they're really great independent artists and come on. I mean, who doesn't want to listen to an interview in which the interviewer's mom shows up to bring him, you know, some Kool-Aid, right? <laughs> I didn't even know that. So I, I want to listen now. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. That's hilarious. Well, so we got that and uh, your interview with Josh uh, McCabe. Is yeah, that right? Josh McCabe from the band Caves. Yep. Um, and he'll explain why they're called Caves on the interview. Um, and actually, he's going to be here soon in February doing a, a bit of a, a coffee house concert. Um, you may know his dad, who is, I believe, the lead singer from the Daniel Band, going back to 80s hair band type Christian music, you know, sort of in the same time period as Petra and Whiteheart. Um, but they were Canadian based and uh, broke a lot of rules, you know, probably got kicked out of a few venues. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll we'll end up talking about that probably on the episode. And um, yeah, so and then there's this one and we have more to come. Uh, soon. So um, yeah, keep listening. We appreciate you guys. And uh, hopefully we will connect again real soon, Joe. Hey, nobody can see that. I don't know why I did that. 